Hello and welcome to the next episode of Eldritch Girl and today I'm interviewing Penelope Holdfast, the medium and owner of ESP, which is Entities Living Sympathetically with People. Um, this is a new venture which has just come to Pagamon Sea, so it's uh, lovely to have Penelope with us. Um, do you prefer Penelope or Penny? Sorry. Penelope. Penelope, yes, yeah, sorry, I, yeah. Um, so would you like to introduce yourself, Penelope, and um, tell everyone about your business and um, the reasons why you've moved to Pagamon Sea? Because you've just come down, haven't you? It's, it's, uh, you're very relatively new to the area. Um, so, yeah, I will hand over to you. Yeah, sure. So um, obviously I'm Penelope. I'm a 34-year-old medium. Um, and my business, ESP, as you've mentioned, um, I set it up and it attracts entities. It registers whether on the corporeal scale. It's a little bit like kind of um, radiation on the Geiger scale or, or, or Richter scale for, for earthquakes. But it's kind of, it's sort of based on suspected energy levels. And generally my aim is to help humans or other entities, you know, non-humans affected by hauntings to live in harmony with, with spectres. I mean, that's not always possible, um, but I was hoping that we could kind of talk about that and it helped uh, me to raise awareness of my, my business locally. Because um, I think it's just so important to teach humans and, and non-humans to live with, with their hauntings. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, recently moved into the White Horse B&B, which I think most of our listeners will will know, uh, our Pagan-based uh, listeners. Um, what brings you to Pagamon Sea and is that where your um, business is going to be based? Yeah, so the business is going to be uh, based from the BNB. Um, I've set up my office there and it's also where I live as well because um, I think it's quite important to kind of have that connection between the two and particularly as the, the BNB is so haunted and um, we'll obviously be hearing from one of our, our main spectres in a few moments. Um, but it's really interesting in, in terms of my journey to Pagamon Sea. So I know that I grew up in Pagamon Sea. Okay. Um, but I don't remember being here. But I've dreamt about it from the age of 10 years old. Right. So it's quite a long journey if we can kind of get into that. So um, I, as I said, I don't remember living here. Um, but my, my parents were very transient up until I was about 10. You know, they were hippies and they were interested in going to places to feed off what they called psychic energy. Right. And it was usually, you know, the supernatural. And I don't just mean things that are ghostly or monstrous or anything, but anything to do with like unexplained phenomena, although they don't have the same the abilities that I have d developed over time. So we lived in, in various places. We lived in Glastonbury, York, Knockin Island, to name a few. And after they'd, they'd stay there for a bit and then they'd kind of move on after they kind of got what they needed out of the place. And because they used to do rituals with crystals and things like that. And apparently we lived in Pagan the Sea the longest. We were there for two years. But again, it's like a weird block in my mind. I can't remember ever being there. But I remember moving the day that we left from Pagan Sea. Um, and we moved and we ended up settling in Milton Keynes, where my parents lived to this very day in the very same house. And it's strange because my parents were such complete hippies that... When we moved, you know, my dad cut off his hair, became an insurance salesman. Mum went to work in a bank and they just totally settled down and became regular mum and dad like I'd always craved. But when I was in Milton Keynes, when I first started moving, I was, I was 10, I started having these dreams. And all of my dreams were involving a space in the wall. 
and they start becoming more detailed over time these dreams to the point that over four years ago I was having these dreams constantly every night I'd wake up from my dreams I still feel like I was in that place um it was just calling to me it was getting louder and louder and also from every from about the age of 16 I started seeing ghosts and predicting events before they happened but again that kind of developed over time too but it's really interesting so my dreams were getting more vivid and vivid and I knew in my bones that it had something to do with Pagamon Sea and my parents tried to stop me from from coming here in the first place and then I decided I needed to come here and I had such an uncanny feeling I felt like I knew all of the streets and where to go at the back of my hand um, but I couldn't work out where this thing I was dreaming about this thing in the wall was so I paid quite a bit of money to some of the underground urchins and there's some really rough folk and they took me to a abandoned shell of, of, of a property um, and I went in the street for privacy reasons but obviously when clients will know where uh, my property is um, and before I entered I just knew that in my heart this was the place um, and that's how I kind of I came to this B&B and everything was leading up to that moment and I went upstairs and the, the entity in the house, who I call the face, he manifested to me and I felt complete. And that's kind of why I'm here. Wow. That's such an interesting story. Do you, do you know why your parents didn't want you to come back or? They just won't discuss it. Oh. And I don't know whether it's they, they can't or they won't. I just, they just completely shut down whenever I try and talk to them about it. And they didn't think I was going to move here. They thought it was just going to be like a bit of a day trip. But I went here and I just knew I needed to move here. So I spoke to the council. I was able to buy the old B&B off, you know, a real knockdown rate because it was in such a state of disrepair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it was, is it an offshore consortium that owns it? Or they, mm. owned, or, yeah, they were just kind of letting it fall down because it was easier than yeah. doing anything with it? Because the front of it is grade two, isn't it? which is difficult Pardon? the front of it is grade two listed i think yeah it is it's absolutely beautiful yeah it's, it's absolutely wrecking side mm. yeah it's just such a shame but as you say i mean it's it's got such a, a reputation for being haunted i say reputation i mean it is <laughs> it's because it is <laughs> um but yeah um so how many spectres do you think are in the bnb so I mean, there are so many. It's such a big well of, ent of, of entities. Um, there is a main, a dominant entity called the face. And within that, there's several others that kind of swirl around. But I think the face is like a big net that traps other spectres. So I think if something even were to walk past the house, they'd be sucked in. I've never seen anything like it. It's like the kind of, you know, like the eye of a needle of the storm sort of thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've never heard of anything like that before. That's that's really interesting okay um and are we are we going to are you able to contact the face like can we because I know that you said we would we would do that on the show yeah so the face is actually right here um they've kind of manifested in the section of the wall now oh my god okay yeah I can see face, it how are you doing today? hello hi good morning um well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Um, so can we, is it okay? Manifesting through the wall here. Yes. Yes, you are. 
is it okay to ask questions or is it? Oh, I am very good at asking questions. Well, Not so good at answering them. This is typical. Face will get a bit more chatty as we move on, hopefully. Okay. Is this just because it's like uh, manifesting for the first time in a while or is this just how it happens? This is just how it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. It sounds quite fragmented as well. I think, yeah. I think, do you hear different echoes in there? Do you hear kind of it's like different voices at all? Yeah, kind That's of. Quite- Sorry, yeah, I was wondering if it was because it's hard to tell because obviously this is we're doing this via video chat, so it's really hard for me to tell if it's a lag my end, but yeah, yeah, or if it's like an echo on the but yeah, I think so. So, yeah, so obviously I moved into the house and um, the face was here, and I just I felt such a connection with the face. Mm. That's really that's really unusual. Like it's such a, I've never heard of an entity that manifests in that particular way, but has those sorts of properties or, or powers. That's, yeah. And that, I mean, I can hear him like really, really clearly as well. Paige, you want to talk about some of your powers? I can manifest in a wall. I can also manifest in a floor. Wow, okay. What about your properties? Like kind of how would you um, describe what you're like? I think I would describe myself primarily, and some may disagree with this, as glutinous. (laughs) I see it's... (laughs) The face is really, really being so humble and un- underselling himself right now. Like he's really underselling his powers. I mean, what you can't see is that when he sort of transfigures and moves around, it creates sort of a massive, um, I don't know what you call it, it's almost like a shift in reality and a shift in elements around it. Everything sort of changes and warps. And I think as I said to you earlier, when I, I take readings on my energy device, I mean, these are the most unusual and highest and most fascinating readings I've ever encountered. It's so powerful. I mean, almost, God, I think fate and the ghost, it's almost like like a god, like this power. I think I have caused some of the mortar to dissolve. It's just so humble. Wow, okay, yeah. It's, it's so interesting that you've got this kind of corporeality that's affecting not just other entities in the house, but also affecting the physical building itself that's yeah so, so is it is that do you think that's like an ectoplasmic reaction or I don't know I think I mean the ectoplasm as I've said before it's I mean glutinous is a good word for it because the consistency is just so solid and I'm not used to this for example so I, as I said to you before you know I've been a medium for years I've picked up on ghosts but previously you know ghosts were kind of like a faint whisper that I'd hear, a a mist out of the corner of my eye. Whereas in this situation, I mean, it's like thick goo, it's solid stuff. And that sounds probably a bit disgusting, but it's just so, yeah, it's just remarkable. I've I've never met an entity like this. Yeah, I mean, it's also very three-dimensional. Like I can can kind of see the way that it's manifesting. It's definitely not like a pattern on a wall. 
it's the actually it's... manifested face in a wall. Right. And the way it can slide through things as well. It's almost oh, a bit wow. on its movements as well. How would you describe the way you move? I would say that the way I move is elegant, attractive, and not dissimilar to a slime mould. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I, I, I put those adjectives as slime mould. Um, yeah, that sounds. Yeah, that's okay. That's really interesting. I don't know. Like, would you be able to move now, like Forrest? Just. I mean, I appreciate this is a podcast. <laughs> the listeners will have to rely on description, but I'd really like, would you be able to do that just, just so I can kind of see it? Oh, I think I probably could. Can you see it? Oh, yeah. <gasps> I know it is like slime mould. Yeah, but it's so strange. It's not really altering the brick or anything. Nothing's come off the walls. Like, can you see the way it's going over that painting? And it's not moving. Oh, yes. Oh, wow, that's weird. Okay, because that's obviously something there. Mm. Like, obviously, it's a physical thing, but it's not affecting the canvas. And, like, I would expect... Yeah. Is that watercolour? Or... Yeah, it is. It's watercolour, actually. I got that's it from really like, nice. Sorry. Yeah, no. Um... <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's... Yeah, no, I would expect, like... The pe- like you'd expect it to be warped, yeah, and it's not. Yeah, or you'd expect maybe some of the plaster or something, or the paint to start chipping, but it just—it doesn't. That's the thing. It, it's the you know, it's it's like it's kind of I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, but at the same time, um, uh, you said that you uh, sorry, uh, face um, said that um, you also dissolve things like you have actually impacted the house physically is that just do we think that's is that um over like uh what's the word accumulative over time oh i don't dissolve anything that doesn't need dissolving i'm very respectful of this property oh okay i see yeah you it's intentional that doesn't it when you do something like that Oh, I have a fine creative mind. Yes, I um, exert considerable influence over the structure I inhabit. So when I moved in and I was obviously trying to do things up, um, I think you weren't very happy at the beginning. So there's a lot of that dissolving. But I think you were kind of acting up and kicking up, up against me then. Oh, I think it was all in good jest. We had a good time. We did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What did you sort of find wallpaper that you put up kind of coming off the wall or something like that? Was that or was yeah, it or that, or whole sections? And um, at one point, um, the sort of adjoining wall between the, the dining room, and the kitchen, that all the bricks were somehow knocked out. But I, I don't know how it's possible. It was almost like um, you'd imagine something like a big truck had kind of reversed and all the bricks had come out. But it was something oh, that wow. Was- like that, that kind of force or yeah. the impression of oh wow okay and then That's... so that cost me quite a bit of money face didn't it to have to, to put, <laughs> put that back together and get the builders in well it's obviously one has to spend money on an older building estate agents traditionally would say around two percent of market value per year oh, and also a big shout out to our builders matthew raven he's had to come over quite a lot he's a specialist kind of you know paranormal sort of builder 
so he knows how to work around things like this too. I always recommend him to my clients in case they have any issues. That's, yeah, because I mean, again, I, I, I can't imagine a lot of people would have issues quite like this, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see why that would be a, a really difficult thing to, to kind of work around or work with. Um, and in terms of your, I mean, in terms of your business as well, I yeah. mean, I imagine this is what the kind of thing that you're um, helping your clients navigate. I mean, not necessarily a face in a wall, but like poltergeist activity or that, that sort of thing, that kind of haunted house issues. Yeah, poltergeist energy, uh, demonic entities, um, but all sorts really. So I think the biggest thing that I'm finding is it's about teaching humans and non-humans to live with hauntings. And that's kind of my catchphrase. You've probably heard me say this quite a lot during the course of this podcast, but you've got to remember really that a lot of these spectres, dark energies, whatever they are, they've lived in a place to, for many years and you come in and you're the usurper. You're yeah. coming to that. And then, so you've got to kind of take back control almost. So it's about establishing authority and boundaries and lines of communication, like I did with the face, you know, that it depends on how corporeal they are. So with my business, so what I might suggest to clients is we might undertake a seance or if they're, you know, again, not very corporeal, we might kind of create a system of something like Knox, like a Morse code. Um because I'm finding that ghosts, they're often very frustrated and lonely. So you think they're malevolent and terrifying and they want you out, but actually they're, they're trying to communicate with you, but they just, they don't know how, or it's been so many years since they've communicated with anybody, they've forgotten the the, the means to do that. Um, and they don't know who they are or what their origins were. And it's not that kind of, you know, it's not that kind of exorcist, the power of Christ compels you stuff. I don't come in and do that. I'm just recognizing you don't have to be afraid of them and that you can peacefully and happily coexist with them and that's the kind of my end goal I think there's only been one occasion I've seen where the entity was fully malevolent and it was you know demonic and it was very ancient um but we contained it and we came to an agreement with um both parties to rehouse it and it's much happier where it is now actually um I helped Aww. it move and oh it's nice it is, yeah, and it's in a space now, and it can really fully do what it wants. And it's not near churches; it's near farmland, as its own body of water. Like it's great. I visit about once a month, and we have a chat and talk about the old ways and the old gods, and it's brilliant. Um, but luckily, Face and I—I I mean, we—I think we have to coexist now, don't we? There's just a bunch of those healing issues at the start, but I've tried to apply a lot of the lessons with Face to my business. Would you say that you're quite happy now? We have a very agreeable existence. Yeah, I think we do. Especially during lockdown as well. I've been here all the time. It's probably a bit harder for you. Oh, everything is fine. I positively enjoy the contact of people. Hmm. Um, so I assume that... What was... was so, I mean, obviously this was a and b at one point, but... Mm. Um, so was the face present when it was a B&B? It... I imagine I've been here a very long time. I would have been a fine feature for any kind of hospitality establishment. Very true. Yes. Um, do, you, do, do you actually remember anything about who you were or, or 
you know, whether you, how far back do you remember? Well, we all have a history. Oh, I've seen some things in my time. Yes. I mean, I've remember a lot of things. Can you give any examples, Faith, of things that you remember? I remember that time a cat came in. Okay. That was some time ago. Was that when you were human or when you were what you are now, respectfully? I think you shouted at it. So that's more recent then. <laughs> I think you were doing some paint. Oh, God. Actually, no, that happened. That's about three months ago. That's when Dr. Socks, the, the neighbour's cat, came in. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, no, they're really cute, but you got to make sure to, uh, that cat's really attracted to this place. I think it knows things, but um, <laughs> cats do know yeah, things. They do, but I think you'll get a lot of answers like that with the face. I don't think he does remember where where he's from or anything like that. So it seems really difficult to communicate a little bit with the face I'm getting that it's it's as you say it's, it's a little bit fragmented how is your relationship um progressing how do you find that it's actually really difficult um because the face you know talks in riddles often when you try and have a conversation with the face it just slithers off somewhere or disappears or doesn't manifest for a few days um he, you know, he goes off on tangents, he doesn't give a straight answer. So, I mean, communication has been a real challenge, but I really do enjoy living with him and I enjoy our friendship, our relationship, whatever it is, and I might be interested in more one day between us. Um, yeah. But I just don't think he's there yet. Um, but it's interesting to me, really, because I've been looking up setting up a support group for people in Pagamon C, for people who have this very issue that they might have um, friendships or uh, family members or they might have kind of romantic or sexual feelings in terms of, you know, for hauntings, between hauntings and people or hauntings and non-humans. And um, at the moment, my idea for the support group is kind of focused on kind of what I'm experiencing, you know, entities on in houses and things that kind of might not be appropriate by human standards. You know, they might be an inanimate object, object or they might not be fully corporeal. Um, but if that support group is successful, I might widen it to anyone who has an unsatisfactory or unfulfilling relationship with something that's um, a supernatural being. And I can't really discuss who's going to attend, but a few people's relationships involve things like a spinning wheel, tarot cards, a haunted bicycle. That's oh, wow. who relationships with or they might be in love with and it's really hard for them to accept their realities and I could widen it a bit more and have like, like a agony aunt service for humans and creatures like a dialing radio show or you know a bit like a Fraser Fraser Crane for the deceased oh but, wow um, I love that 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 sounds like a really good idea yeah so there's things like that but going back to your question about the face I mean our relationship it does have its challenges he's very obtuse but also he I mean we have a quite satisfying friendship in other ways I mean in lockdown he's been my sole companion and we do quite a lot together now don't we I mean we watch tv shows together he'll come and kind of manifest just above my shoulder and we'll watch things like we've got through Sweet Home and Kingdom and Game of Thrones and all sorts of stuff and sometimes I put the tv on and I pick something I think he might want to watch like Baki which is an anime 
I'll sit okay. that one. Sometimes he'll sit there for hours and just watch that, and then um, the TV will turn itself off. Or I'll, I'll hear that Netflix has stopped working, and I'll have to come back in and fix it. But it's quite a lot that we do now. Don't you think, Face? I am often in this house, and so are you. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Yes. Yeah, that seems very fulfilling. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, I mean, there's. Um, there's a, I know that there's the sort of are, are you linked up with the undead support group that meets in the mermaid I've tried they're a bit um territorial aren't they yeah I know what you mean they I mean they, they're a lot more inclusive than uh, I'm not going to name other groups but like um yeah I mean they, they're, they're one of the more inclusive groups but um they they are very um, I, I guess it's because it's it's for, it's a group for the undead, which so I, I was really interested in kind of setting up a bit of a partnership between the two groups because yeah, my group is for the people that, that loves or cares about the people in that cohort over there, but they just a lot of them just aren't interested. There are a few that kind of wanted to reach out and things like that, but a lot of them they just want to keep that as their exclusive group and kind of yeah. leave the rest of us on the outside. It it is difficult, I think opening dialogue is very difficult with um undead discourse the way it is yeah obviously i'm an outsider i haven't been here for very long either so there's a bit of a distrust there yeah i I think a lot of it is um uh yeah it's it's very difficult when there's no pre-existing relationship yeah i think you do have to kind of yeah but i just i just thought i'd um mention it because i mean it's run by so Gary, the the um, the landlord of the mermaid, is obviously human and alive. Um, yeah. So so he's he's generally quite um, he's very community orientated. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might be worth um, yeah, so it, yeah, it might be worth just keeping um, I don't know, keep, keeping like communication open with him. Just in case yeah, I had to get I didn't speak to Gary. I, I actually. I turned up to the support group itself and everyone just kind of swiveled and turned around to look at me. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the I mean, the, the, the haunted monkey was sort of, you know, banging oh, his, his... Oh, God, yeah. Fred. Yeah, and he was, everyone was kind of absolutely horrified. Yeah. I mean, Fred's all right. Like, he just kind of appears and then sort of... Um, then go somewhere else and you yeah um yeah fred is fred is a fred is a toy monkey for anyone who isn't sure who fred is but fred is kind of like a um i guess if you if you go shopping in a particular area um of town you'll know who fred is because fred appears in the windows of different shops Mm. and his favorite trick is trying to get you to buy him he's very yeah he's he's very mischievous like that and then you obviously you take him home and then all sorts of things happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And he's yeah, he's he's funny. But um yeah, so so <laughs> yeah, he's like this little uh he's basically like a plushie for people who don't know what he is. Like the big eyes and the little prehensile tail. <laughs> yeah, because it's just interesting. I I've not had that level of um I don't know. It, it wasn't the usual kind of, you know, malevolence or distrust you have from supernatural entities. It felt different. It felt more, as I said, more territorial, more this is our path. 
So I will have a chat with that landlord. Thanks for yeah, that. yeah Gary. Yeah, yeah, do Gary. he's yeah, he's yeah, he's um so his uncle used to run it. Yeah, um, and then he came so he's kind of new here as well because he he moved down from Chichester. Okay. So I think he actually lived um I uh, coincidentally in Pagham near Chichester and then it moved to Pagham on Sea. <laughs> <laughs> So like just move from Pagham to Pagham. <laughs> um but but yeah, uh Pagham obviously near Chichester is far less haunted than <laughs> than our one. It's fun, is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think it's it's a lovely place to go on holiday. But um yeah, if if you uh if you want to have a break from the hauntings. Um be a place I could go for my holiday, because honestly, since I've moved here, it's I think I said to you earlier the way the ghosts are so 3D, but it's not just that. I can hear a lot of people's thoughts as well. And oh, okay. God, if you go past like a port or a wend and you know exactly what they are. Oh terrifying. God. Terrifying. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Fun times. Yeah. So I might need a little bit of a holiday soon. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are other mediums as well. Um, there's a couple that, um, like, do you know Tina? You I do know Tina. Yeah. Yeah, she's really nice. Like, um, we've gone for a few beers and that. She's really cool. Yeah, she is nice. She, um, yeah, and um, she's also like one of the people who isn't going. He, she, she's. I don't think she's very territorial in terms of like. No, she's been really lovely. Yeah. yeah, she's really lovely. But um, yeah, so she does seances as well. Um, and things yeah. like that but that's not her primary business whereas yeah. for you obviously this is like ESP is your 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 main business isn't it so that's slightly think, different yeah exactly I think the main thing for me with Tina was kind of having that chat when I moved to town because it was I'm not trying to encroach business from you you are a, an amazing medium you do what you do but mine's mine's more a bit more like a it's like a counseling service it's more like a, a more involved service so tina could be the starting point but i'm kind of yeah. like that that kind of that aftercare to help you live and um deal with your situation yeah yeah and i think people will i think it's yeah that's i was gonna say that's really good because like if people get referrals from tina like that's yeah yeah or if you are you know if people are referred to you from tina i mean you know i think that's um that would work really well because I think as I say like it's difficult when you move into a new place to start somewhere when there's not that pre-existing trust yeah yeah a lot as well having to do a lot of my stuff you know on um video calls or um yeah that must be really difficult when you can't enter a property no but my my power is so strong though that I can still do it via a tv screen I can still do it over the phone um yeah, but it's not as good as it would be in person. It's probably about 50%. Wow. I mean, that's like, that's still astounding, like that it would be, I guess that's, it. Is is it stronger since you entered the B&B? Much stronger. I think, I think that was the thing. I don't know whether it's Pagamon C or the, or the, um, the B&B itself. It's hard to tell, but I do think that when I'm working from, home sometimes this can be my strongest place if people come to visit me I don't know it's still something I'm kind of getting to discover but it's interesting because as I said I have these memory blocks too um so I'm not kind of quite sure either of our origins in terms of this B&B really 
why we're so interested in it and why you're here. Well, the, I mean, obviously you contacted the, the History Society yes. some time ago. Um, I do apologise that it took a while for us to get back to you, but that's mainly because um, uh, we're not, well, a lot of the members are not as active as, as they were. Um, so, yeah, so, so I have done some digging um, for you from, so, you know, for, for as much as I can um, over lockdown. Obviously, things are easing up, so it's a lot easier for me to get access to things now. Um, right. So... Um, Obviously, due to GDPR, there isn't a lot of um, you know, there's no the B and B kind of um, address books and things like that. They're obviously all gone. Um, it was very dilapidated, so a lot of uh, the, the kind of admin and all that kind of stuff um, was shipped off to various solicitors. Um, mm. uh, but what was salvaged was um you know the visitors books where you can write little notes and say how you enjoyed your stay oh, you know, yeah you can do that anonymously yeah. so um those turned up in um somebody's attic um okay. who's, yeah who's a member of the who was a member of the local council um, which is about the time that it went up for sale the first time. Um, mm-hmm. And um, so they go back to about the 1960s. Right. Um, yeah, and, and not really sure what to do with them. So I think they they just thought that maybe this History Society could do something with them or um, they should really be in the archives. Um, yeah. But obviously due to lockdown and things like that, I mean, the, the councillor who had them died um uh sort of over lockdown and sort of going through the stuff oh. some time and nobody really knew what to do with it so i have managed to have a little look and um it's interesting because i mean your surname's quite uh it's quite a unique surname hold fast yes. like it's, yes, it is yeah um and so around about the time you say that you, you you know your parents came here for for mm-hmm. two years so um yeah so at, at, certainly at some point we found or i found the um their comments in the visitors book uh in one of the the ones for the 1990s which oh, i really? yeah for which i think which, yeah yeah, for that B and B. Oh my god, what what did they say? What did what did it say? I mean, well, it, I, I'm, I can email it across to you, but it was it's literally just like, um, uh, thanks for the lovely stay. Um, the, uh, something about the energies being really strong in that particular area. Um, it also interestingly mentions um, Pharisee stones. Do you know what they are? No, I've not heard of those before. Okay, so um, they're quite local. Um, it's a local term. So Pharisee is the Sussex dialect term for fairy. Um, and so they're basically like fairy stones. It's like a dialect um, word. Um, so in in our case, in Pagamon Sea, I say our case because I don't live, obviously I don't live there myself anymore, but, um, yeah. you know, <laughs> I still come back. House prices and all that, right? <laughs> ah, I know. Yeah, um, so... Yeah, I um, 
I don't know how to describe them really. So there's lots of urban legends about them. Um, and one of the origin stories for Pharisee stones um, is the meteorite that struck uh, an ironworks in the Roman period. So the okay. Mano-British period, if you like, destroyed this yeah. forge. Um, and it's that's also one of um, the origin stories for werewolves in the area, um, which is meant to be like a martyr's curse. Um, stuff like that and there's like a holy oh, well yeah it, it, yeah so so um harry bishop wrote a book on i think it was harry bishop who wrote a book on that um and so uh, he transcribed and translated a load of the uh, medieval chronicle accounts because um, yeah. they used to be an abbey which is where the old manor house is now so that's, um, not, really, that's not far from here yeah it's yeah it's not it's it's like it's uh like a 45 minute walk out town or like it's yeah. like a 10 minute, it's up predditch lane yeah yeah i know exactly what that is yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 um so um yeah so that site was the site of the old not the abbey sorry it was a monastery um yeah. and i think it was benedictine um and that's kind of like a 12th century foundation so there was um anyway so so <laughs> Um, so Pharisee stones first kind of get mentioned there, but not as Pharisee stones, but as these stones that have power. Um, and if you wash them in the holy well, then they're meant to, you know, uh, give you good, uh, good energy, good vibe, whatever, you know, healing properties. And if I you don't, know, what's that? But that's the kind of thing my parents used to do. They used to get their crystals and they wash them in, in things like, you know, the chalice well in, in Glastonbury. I remember that's the kind of thing they used to do. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, um, like yeah. that. Uh, the difference with the Pharisee stones is that if you don't wash them in the holy well, um, then you can use them to enact curses instead of healing. Oh. So the, <laughs> yeah. So so the the kind of that's implied that the usual state of it um, of that stone is kind of malevolent, basically. And you okay. have to do something to, um, uh, or, or at least mischievous, or, you, you know, um, and it's what's interesting to me about the White Horse B&B is that um, if you look, if you look out the window now, where you are, because you're in, in one of the back rooms, aren't you? Yes, I am. Yeah, so if you look out that window now, have a look yeah. in the garden. Can you and you know those um, the the rocks that look uh, they usually have like a little patch of mushrooms growing around them. Yeah, I can see them. Yeah, oh, they're edibles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So those um, those are meant to be Pharisee stones. Like obviously, it can't have come from like the same meteorite. Like it, the meteorite was not that big, um, yeah. but it's um, but that that's um, part of the the local kind of um, uh, stories, I guess, about the White Horse B and B. And one of the reasons it's meant to be so haunted and like as a um, you know like a, a central place for hauntings. Um, is because it's ringed about with these stones. Oh my God. I just thought they were just sort of common garden mushrooms and common garden stones. And I would never have expected that in a million years. 
yeah um so that's that's really so what's what's really interesting to me is that I guess um you say your parents didn't have powers but you're um you're a very powerful yeah and that's very rare to to have you you know I, I it's and especially to to have somebody who can see those sorts of manifestations and like I don't know. I just think it's a really interesting. I I struggle with the word coincidence. Mm. I just find this really interesting that your parents were doing these kinds of rituals with crystals, didn't have any powers themselves, but were I guess quite um, intuitive or yeah, they were always kind of drawn to that sort of sort yeah. of um, kind of. I hate to say it, but the kind of new age hippieish sort of lifestyle. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah um it's, yeah yeah I, I find that really interesting because you chose a place or they chose a place rather where um it's kind of like this magnified place of power mm. and then you end up with powers and you would have been quite young as a child then yeah so I was I was about well, ten. I was about eight to ten when I lived here, but it was so ten was the point. So when we moved to Milton Keynes, that's the point I started having my powers. So I whatever, that. okay. So whatever kind of, and you you have no memory of Pagamons. See no. that that would imply to me from um, speaking to various people who um, have moved away or have had strange things happen to them as a result of living in the town um that something happened to you while you were here Mm. um and i'm just wondering what the connection is um and if that's if that's something potentially that we should be looking into should we ask the face whether he might know anything about what do you call them the pharisee stones yeah face are you still here well, I could leave the house any time I wanted. Okay. You come back in. Have you come back? In, are you are you able to speak to us again? Well, I could leave the house any time I wanted. I don't uh, know about stones. You don't know about any stones. Do you know the ones that I'm, we're talking about? The ones that are kind of outside. If you look through the window over there. Oh yes, I know. I know all about those stones. What, what? can you tell us about them? Well, they're made of stone and they're all around there. Yeah. Okay. We're not... Right. Okay. I don't know if it's helpful. But again, that's... Yeah. So that's the thing. So I don't know... So I'm I'm completely staggered that I've come back to this place that I clearly lived in as a child. Yeah. So... And, uh, I mean, the, the I'll, I'll send you the I, I I took photos on my my uh, my phone of it because um, I couldn't take the the actual book away, but I'll send you those. Um, and it yeah, I think it was like it it sounded like you you lived here not for the whole two years you were here, but like for a couple of months maybe. But then the thing that I'm really curious about is why. So this place was obviously a functioning B and B when we lived here. So yeah. why did it? so ruined and abandoned like what what happened that's well, I mean, what I want to find out about yes yeah, so, so um that's the one of the last entries in the book 
So it closed not long after um, your parents left. Um, I would say uh, just like a couple of months after it closed. Um, okay. But it looks like the um, the B&B manager just disappeared around that time. Um, what? So I don't know whether that's a whether that's connected. But yeah, so um, I had a little look at that. Yeah. That's really worrying. You said someone someone disappeared. Yeah, so the owner of the B&B disappeared. Like, um, Do you have any details about his name or a picture, um, what he looked like or anything like that? Yeah, I can send you the I can send you the picture because like that's so if you go into the library, um, downstairs in the library they've got the microfilm, like the microfiche yeah. machines. Um, so you can have a look at the the Gazette backdated issues. Um and um, let me just see, because I did, I did have, um, yeah, okay, so this is, uh, this is from my notes that I've got. So, yeah, so, so the manager was called Norris Wedden. Um, so that's uh, Norris with two R's, um, Wedden, W-E-D-D-O-N. Um, so he's he's current obviously he went missing in the mid 90s so he's kind of you know presumed dead like legally dead um now which is why um because he was the owner which is uh you know they had to wait seven years before they could pronounce him legally dead right oh god I feel I feel really like really sick I don't know why Face, do you remember a, a Norris Wedden? Oh, the name does sound familiar. I'm sure I must have wet, met Norris Wedden at some point. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try something. Okay. I'm gonna touch, touch the face. Do you remember Norris Wedden? Entities. Do you remember Norris Wedden? Do you remember Norris Wedden? Norris Wedden was the proprietor. Where is he now? Norris Wedden is probably still here. Norris Wedden might be very close indeed. Oh, okay. Where? Tell me where he is. Norris Wedden might be under the floorboards. What? Uh... I mean, it's plausible. More of people have been found under floorboards. It's not an unusual thing. No, that, that in fairness, that's true. Um, I think we should stop rolling. Yeah, do you want to pause? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, that was, uh, that was something. Um, that's the end of this episode, I guess. Um, I should note that any kind of background noise that got picked up 
on the recording um, was not audible at the time of recording. So if you do hear things like footsteps walking around, uh, doors, etc., um, we were not aware of, well, I personally was not aware of that when we were doing the video call, um, but apparently that's quite normal. So if you do hear, if you did hear anything in the background, um, worry not, apparently that's supposed to happen. Uh, yeah. Um, since this has been recorded, I should say that, um, the B&B was thoroughly searched, um, but no human remains were found under the floorboards. Um, although there was like that, well, they had problems with the sniffer dogs. Uh, there, there was a sniffer dog that kind of went in and didn't want to be in there. So, um, I guess I... <sighs> I guess it's still kind of inconclusive and Norris Wedden's whereabouts are still unknown. Um, yeah, so that's all we've got time for, really. Uh, yeah, <laughs> never had an interview like that before. Um, I'm going to go back and do some more research and we'll see what happens. In the meantime, uh, Enjoy the rest of your week. Bye now.